Hello, I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Coming up on today's show. Is there anything else about their lives that Harry and Meghan haven't told us already? Harry's book publisher seems to think so. They have given him a $20 million advance, reputedly, for the tell-all book. But will it be worth it? And will there actually be anything left for him to say? We all saw the pictures in the paper Tuesday morning. Thousands of people queued up at club doors throughout England waiting to do some disco dancing. And Benjamin Butterworth was one of them. He is going to try and convince me that going to nightclub is not a sweaty waste of time, but is in fact worth the risk. Plus, we speak with the artist Jester Walls, who had her art removed from the Royal Academy gift shop on the basis that it was transphobic. It's now been reinstated and she's been given a formal apology, but did that make things right? And we will find out what's in the stars for us this week from our brilliant resident spiritualist, Teresa Chung. So, hello Imogen. How is your week? Hello. You're in the France. I'm in French France. That's, I am indeed. It's very daring. It's probably you. probably a little less hot than where you are, it <laughs> yes. sounds like. Yes, it's boiling here. But um, it's very daring of you to be in France because, you know, Covid and oh, um, I, should, I should be locked turning up in red. Yes. Are you going to be stuck in the rest hotel? of my life? Are you going to have to pay £20,000 to stay in a Sofitel in Heathrow? I hope yeah, not. I know, I'm looking forward to that. Eating yellow food. I know, it's, <laughs> it's really very worrying. I just got back from, I recklessly decided to go to Ibiza for five days with my daughter Beatrice. And it cost mm. me over £500 in tests. And I spent, no. I spent about six hours hunched over my phone under a sun umbrella trying to fill in the wretched forms. Oh, which is so really? annoying. Oh. Gosh, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm no. going to a car park tomorrow to have a thing put up my nose. <laughs> exactly. It's not it, nice. It's not conducive to a nice holiday, I have to say. And also the worry. No, you not. sort of wake up at five in the morning thinking, oh God, have I done all my tests right? You know, you have to have a PCR 24 hours before you go back and then you've got to have another one two days. And it's all very confusing. And oh, also expensive. Yeah, yeah. You're, we're all experts yeah. now on everything. We're yeah. And also I find the sort of constant having to input your details, like they know everything about you. They want to know your inside leg measurement and when you last went to the loo. And it's really intrusive. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But also, what are they going to do with all this information I don't once know. they've stored it all? I don't know. Presumably they'll yeah. sell it all to Jeff Bezos, who will then try and sell us things on, on, on the internet. Oh. Have you seen his space rocket? It's shaped like a penis. What a surprise. Another pocket <laughs> No, no, rocket. but it's actually shaped like a penis. I mean, no one at any point... What, how did it get through all those stages of development without someone just saying, Jeff, <clears throat> sorry, I really don't want to rain on your parade, but it's actually the shape of an actual penis. Penis, you're going to... Yes. It's not just, it's it, not just well, a pointy it's rocket. it's all about penis envy any, anyway, isn't it? It's him and, <laughs> him and Branson having a cock-off. In space. <laughs> While the rest of us, while the rest of us struggle to fill in our passenger locator form, exactly. <laughs> the passenger—I have to say—the passenger locator form almost killed me. It's the worst part. It is really very stressful. And the most annoying thing about it is, is that if you're filling it in on your tiny, teeny, tiny little phone, wearing your mm. m embarrassing old lady specs, because obviously you can't mm. see anymore because you're so old. It's one of those. It's not optimized for telephones, so it's sort of it's no, sort of, it isn't. It, well, also, if you're wearing a mask, then your glasses are steaming up while your hand is sweating, yes. while you're shouting at your children, trying not to be pickpocketed in the airport. Yeah. 
That's the having lost all your boarding passes. Yes. With a terrible hangover because you got drunk the night. Before. Yes, and gone half a kilogram over your allotted weight on your suitcase. Yeah. So you've had to take all your pants out in front of twenty thousand people who are all <laughs> laughing at you. That is quite stressful on the whole. Your giant Bridget Jones. Nickers. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. And your and your secret stash of cigarettes, which you're not supposed to have at all. But if you're coming oh, back yes, from Spain, true. they're only two pounds yes. fifty. So you really it's just would be rude not to. Do you know what mine were nicked last time? I no, back. what from yes. your suitcase? My secret stash of fags. Yeah, they were stolen from out of my bag. Really? Well, I mean, they yeah. are ridiculously cheap in Spain. I mean, they practically give them away. They're practically a health they food. They do. Uh, <laughs> it's almost compulsory to buy a packet of cigarettes. Of course it is. Anyway, yes, just to show off. Well, I'm glad you're having a nice time, France. I hope you uh, are able to rejoin us at some stage and, and don't have to live there for the rest yes, of your I life. Yes, I will. I will. Hopefully, yes, if I'm ever allowed out of my house again. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier this week, Prince Harry announced that he is writing an autobiography. And in this, he's going to tell us all about the man he has become. Imogen, <laughs> will you be oh, reading good. it? Oh, God, I'm so excited. Are you? <laughs> I don't think I feel I know very little about Harry. He hardly talks about himself at all. He's such a mysterious I know, character. I know. He's yes. He's such a sort of closed book, isn't he? he really? <laughs> no pun intended. I mean, what's it going to be about? Do you think? Do you think it's going to be about how awful it is growing up? You know, with all that privilege and you know, never having to worry about anything apart from you know the servants' half day off and how you're going to make your own salad for supper. Sorry, am I being mean? Well, I, it, it sounded even worse than that, actually. Mm. It sounded that like it was life lessons that he yes. learnt. Yes. So I think it's <laughs> going to be a bit more like a sort of, uh, sort of, and through this I learned to care for other people. And oh. it's going to be like one of those fabulous self-help books. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes, I it's interesting. It's really I, preachy and very woke. Yes, yes. And well, well, I don't know though because it is being written by this rather brilliant guy who's a famous ghostwriter called J.R. Murringer, and he wrote the Andre Agassi book, which was famously rather good and won him a Pulitzer and quite punchy. You've read it, I think, haven't you? I have. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. He's a brilliant ghostwriter. He's yeah. absolutely a brilliant ghostwriter. I mean, God knows what it's going to be like actually dealing with Harry mm. and interviewing him and everything. I imagine he might be a bored rigid. What's the process? Because you've done a bit of ghostwriting yourself, haven't you? You have done. Who have you done? Come on, spill the beans. I can't tell you who I've yes, done you because can. I have to sign a contract saying I'm not allowed to. But I've done lots of ghostwriting. You've ghostwriting for some uh, very famous people who we can't mention. I've done loads of ghosting. I've ghosted novels for people. Yes. I've ghosted biographies. I'm in the process of ghosting one at the moment. Yes. What's the process? Do you just do interviews with them or what, how does it work? Hours and hours and hours and hours of interviews. And then mostly it's just deeply depressing because <laughs> obviously you're the like the filthy, dirty secret that <laughs> they've used you like some sort of prostitute, I suppose. And then, <laughs> and then they deny your existence. So, uh, so I do remember listening uh, on the radio to somebody whose book I ghosted and he suddenly said I mean it was so extraordinary it was it just came out of me so quickly it was almost like I hadn't written it at all <laughs> at which point I just shouted at the radio and went because you didn't and that's because I um, wrote it yes <laughs> oh yes yes there's a lot of that I have a, a couple of other girlfriends who are also ghosts who absolutely hilariously talking about doing one the other day with a girlfriend and the poor person couldn't remember half her life oh god due to alcohol and drugs she'd forgotten most of it yes <laughs> it's it very funny but i do think harry's 
I mean, poor man. I, I just, the idea of sitting, talking yeah. to Harry for hours and hours and hours about how he, his art teacher did his art A-level for yeah. him. No, exactly. Um, do you remember that famous story? Yes, yes, yes. I do remember that. Yes, yes. He, he got some. And to... it's just—it's going to be acres of wokery, isn't there? Well, it is, and also I think it's going to be very disruptive for the royals again. It's the Queen's jubilee next year. Mm. I mean, it's quite a big year for her. She has had a really bad year. You know, mm. just the timing is just so tenured, don't you think? I mean, why can't he just couldn't he wait till afterwards? Do you know what I mean? Does it have to be now? I know. I mean, yeah. why can't he delay it for a year? It doesn't make any He's got two tiny children. Surely he can fill his days. You know, he's on maternity leave or something anyway, isn't he? Or paternity leave or whatever. I it's, know. Or birthing person leave, as we're probably supposed to call it now. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I just think, again, it's just, it's it's all about him. It's just so awfully selfish. It just, it just seems very odd mm. that obviously they went to America to to live a private life which they're welcome to. No one really, no one really that interested. The idea that we literally haven't heard the, had anything literally, but nothing. confessional stories from them. Exactly. It's almost like they really do actually miss the limelight. Yeah. And also the idea that, that they've got nothing else to sell yeah. other than themselves. Yeah, other than the connection with the thing that they claim to hate the most in, in the world, which is the royal exactly. family. So it's just very yeah. boring. Anyway, well, I'm sure it'll be a sort of massive hoo-far and I'm sure, you know, I'll have to write 20,000 words about it. Deep joy. I'm sure you will have to write <laughs> acres and acres and acres about it. <laughs> but maybe this ghostwriter will get something interesting out of him. I mean, that could be quite interesting. Well, I, I mean, he couldn't have had a better person no. to do it, to write it. That's certainly true. No. No. So, um, you know, he's yeah, he's got the best. Yeah, we ghosts, might all be confounded and we might have to eat our words and it might be absolutely brilliant. So let's hope it is. <laughs> Hurrah. Hurrah. <laughs> Half a million people were told to isolate last week just as Freedom Day arrived. The pingdemic, as it's been called, is so unpopular that a new poll tells us nearly one in four people have deleted or switched off the NHS app. And millions more say they will refuse to isolate if pinged. I'm joined by James Johnson, who is a political advisor and pollster at JL Partners, who conducted the original poll. So tell us about your poll. What are the top lines? Yeah, so I think we are really starting to see amongst the public the sort of enthusiasm for lockdown turning into frustration, uh, anger, mm. and really a desire to get this thing out of the way. Mm. People are really frustrated by Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson's brief decision on Sunday to try and... Uh, dodge their own self-isolation and mm. um, they're saying that people have lost the chances of doing it themselves and um, people are deleting the nhs app potentially in droves i mean we've got one in four yeah. people have turned off contract tracing mm. or deleted the app and we're also seeing a general sense of frustration with the government and the prime minister six mm. in ten people say handling covid badly um and six in ten also say that his decisions on covid have been weak so certainly a sort of a bit of a gear change mm. with the public. And do you think the vaccine has played a big part in this? Because I think a lot of people feel that we have a vaccine. What's the point of having it if it doesn't get us out of the lockdown situation? I think that's right. And I, in, in, in this poll, we had around 70% of people agreeing with the statement that we have to learn with COVID as we cannot mm. go on living with restrictions yeah. forever. So I think that's certainly played a role. And th there seems to be no sort of logic in any of the restrictions. You know, you're allowed to do this, but you're not allowed to do that. You can go dancing, but you can't have a big marriage. Children are being taken out of school. You can't go to sports day, but you can go to Wembley. Mm. It just seems very illogical as well, I think. 
Yeah, and, and that certainly certainly has come through in, in, in the work that we've done. I mean, people agreed by 72% to 10% in this poll that the government has handled decisions in the last 48 hours in a shambolic way, and only one in five disagreeing with that, um, even amongst conservative voters. Mm. So I, I think that certainly is the case. And again, in the focus groups that I've been doing, lots of people talking about frustration with apparently conflicting rules, people talking about getting a positive test one day, then a negative test, mm. Then another, there is a lot of a lack of faith, I think, across the whole system. We've also got people in the poll complaining about the app being too sensitive. Mm. More people are not. I have to admit, I've, I've never downloaded the app, to mm. be fair. No. <laughs> Um, I but, don't, you know, I no. just, yeah, I just thought I didn't want everyone well, knowing I, where I was going. I mean, Not I think, I was I think interesting. no, exactly. I think a lot of people find a lot of the rules around COVID extremely intrusive from a libertarian point of view. Mm. And, you know, in terms of people's privacy and their, you know, their right to privacy, which is something that we all should have. And I think I'm slightly distrustful of governments who take these privileges away because they don't tend to give them back so easily you know i don't i you know i i think that's but i think that's very much my generation i was i went to the opera holland park opera last night and i was talking to the guy who runs it james and he was saying that they've you know they've had a bit of a nightmare with the pinging but they've managed to sort of work around it but he said that the people who are most zealous about the pandemic about the pinging and about the isolating are all the youngsters he said people his age and our age our age who are a bit sort of you know a bit sort of grumpy gen xers are not having any of it but all the sort of nice gen z's are all going oh no no i i that's fine i've got it and i'll be a good little person so it's really interesting have you done any generational polling on this yeah so we we have seen the same pattern coming through actually uh, mm. i think that and there's been some other polls i don't know if you remember that one from a couple of weeks ago which said that i think it was about one in four of the population wanted lockdown and restrictions to continue even if uh coronavirus was no longer <laughs> oh yes a, i saw that danger. yes that's and and when you look at the when you look into the numbers on that, mm. it does tend to be those younger people. There's a perception out there that it's older people who don't go clubbing. It's older people who don't go out to restaurants. <laughs> but actually, it is the younger people, and it overlaps quite strongly as well uh, with them tending to be on, on on the left. So they tend to vote uh, for the Labour Party or, or for the Green Party. Why are they all such? Why are they all like such anti-libertarians? Why are they all such saffies? Why are they such goody two shoes? Yeah, what's wrong with them? <laughs> I, th- I think it's a little bit, I don't think we're there yet, but I think it's a little bit of that bleeding through of the sort of the US polarisation. Mm. It's a sense of, it's not if the Labour Party was saying something different or if Boris Johnson was saying something different, I'm not sure they would feel quite as strongly about it, but they mm. feel like it's a slight signal of their politics mm. that they have to disagree with the lifting of the restrictions because a Conservative government is doing it. Oh, OK. It's not that they're all secret communists and just want to all wear the same clothes and I march in line. I don't think so. I don't think it goes that deep. But, well, but, but we, I, I assume we'll soon see. <laughs> yeah, we'll soon find out. Thank you, James. That was very interesting. And no doubt there will be more polls in the future. Um, that was James Johnson, political advisor and pollster at JL Partners. This week on Change Vines Mind, we turn to the newly reawakened club scene. Benjamin Butterworth, late editor and senior reporter for the iPaper, was one of the thousands that we saw line up for the clubs on Monday night. Now, I have to say, I can't think of anything worse than going to a nightclub at this stage. I'd literally <laughs> rather boil my head. I never liked it, even when I was young. So you have one job, Benjamin, and that is to change my mind about nightclubs. So, go. 
So I went to a nightclub when they reopened on Monday morning, 12 o'clock midnight. Obviously, the government had made a decision that it was safe to do at this point. So, you know, Chris Whitty had approved this, Boris Johnson. And also opening nightclubs is in line with what other European countries have been doing. Countries with lower vaccination rates than our own have reopened. And in the US, if you're double jabbed, then you can go out and go to a nightclub. So for me, everyone who went there were asked to get a negative lateral flow COVID test. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I felt like that made it feel secure. And then there was the fact, aside from all the safety precautions, which are perfectly reasonable at the position we're in at the moment, there was the atmosphere of going there. You know, most Mm. people in that nightclub, I would guess, were in their 20s, maybe Mm. some in their their 30s. And those people have been at very low risk of Mm. COVID for the whole of the time. But they've understood, as I have, that we had to stay inside and follow the rules because there's so many people at risk that we could pass it on to and now that we've got past that thanks to the vaccinations there was such a palpable sense Mm. of joy of relief of getting life Mm. back of as they call the day freedom Mm. and i think that's why it was so special because you know i was in the dj booth because i got a video of the oh you're cool which which, yeah i certainly have never been a dj booth no that's very cool pretty cool and the DJ, the woman that was DJ next to me, she wiped away a tear when midnight mm. hit and the dance floor was allowed to fill again. Mm. Not only because she obviously had lost a lot of money from not being able to work, mm. but because of the human spirit that mm. filled the room. You know, it wasn't just the drinking, it was the human spirit. Mm. And I think that's what was so special. And, you know, I, I always felt like a, sort of an old deer in there because there were one or two people that... Uh, that snogged other people. And I was sort of clutching my pearls because it was so long since I've seen anything like that. <laughs> Benjamin, I think you have changed my mind ah. a bit. And so, Sarah, would you would you think maybe a bit later when it's even safer, would you consider going dancing yourself? I am a terrible dancer, as Imogen will tell you. Because <gasps> that is absolutely not true. You can do the splits and everything. I can. <laughs> Imogen organised my Imogen organised my hen night, and it was around the time that that song, all the single ladies, was it the one that goes uh, oh, uh, yes. uh, oh, and you have to do the bottom shake, and I can remember trying to do that a lot, and really not being able to do it at all. So I don't know. Uh, now, of course, I have you know a little bit of uh, sciatica. So, uh, but yeah, I I mean I do like a a dance. I'll be honest, but I just don't like, you know, I don't I don't know. I always feel a bit embarrassed about myself when I'm dancing. Well, not when the Rolling Stones are playing. Love. No, not when the you, Rolling Stones. You do kind of let yourself go there. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, OK, that's enough. Thanks, Ben. Pleasure. Thank you so much. That was late editor and senior reporter for the iPaper and enthusiastic club goer, Benjamin Butterworth, who did change Vine's mind. You are listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag. Jester Walls is an embroidery artist based in London who had her work removed from the Royal Academy of Arts gift shop after a blog post that she wrote angered social media who labelled her a TERF, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. She has since received an apology, but is that enough? Hi Jess, thanks for joining us. Hi. So tell me what you said in your blog post that upset so many people. Well, I mean, it was a 5,000 word blog post, so it was many things that I did say, but (laughs) uh, predominantly I did say that um, I find it very difficult to go along with this, what what in my opinion has become more and more of a dogma 
But people say that humans can change sex, that mm. trans women are literally actually women, trans men are literally actually men. And I, and I basically made a very long point of saying that that, uh, in my opinion, is very detrimental to feminism, to you know, women, mm -hmm. if anybody can just identify as a woman. And that caused a huge outcome. I, I totally agree with you and <laughs> think that that makes perfect sense. I mean, I think there's a lot of women like myself and you are very concerned about this sort of narrative because yeah. I think a lot of it is exclusionary to women as well. I oh, mean, you know, I'm yeah. very open minded and I'm very happy for people to identify however they want to. But I don't see why mm -hmm. it has to affect my rights as a woman and my identity. Yeah. Why do I have to change my identity for them but Th that's exactly it yeah and that's yeah. the issue so so then that happened and then the royal academy of arts just caved in and took your very lovely work out of their mm -hmm. shop and and how did you manage to get it reinstated i mean because i think it's quite interesting because obviously people like sort of jk rowling have had yeah. attempts like this on them but i think there's a real groundswell of support for people like yourself who you know are trying to have mm -hmm. a sort of sensible conversation about this and for other women yeah. who are trying to push back against the sort of what I call it sort of a land grab really on our identities by oh, yeah. by, by the trans army. So how did you manage to how did you manage to get yourself reinstated and, and you know, how do you feel about it now? Or would you actually just rather not be in their stupid shop since they were so rude to you in the first place? Oh no no. I mean they did ask me after the apology if when I spoke to the chief when I asked what the situation with the patch is seeing that they just restocked them mm. actually and so he, he said he, he doesn't want to be presumptuous in assuming that I would want to restock them there. And I said, well, considering that they did do an apology, I think mm. it's, I think it's, uh, it's mm. a good idea to put them back. Mm. Because we're going to have to <laughs> build bridges somewhere, I guess. Yeah. You know? And I think for an institution like that to make a public U-turn is, yeah. uh, is an important step. But, um, I mean, it's, it's just been an accumulation of two years of this. This was just uh, the biggest institution that it happened with. But the sort I of culmination of it, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think people are waking up to it um, because I'm I'm not J.K. Rowland. I don't have you know the the safety of the money behind me and no. the, uh, the non cancelability, if you will. Yeah. Like my advantage, I guess, is the opposite that I don't really have that much to lose. Mm. No, no. <laughs> and how how frightening an experience is it to have a sort of pile on like that? Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, mm. it's absolutely horrible. But that's that that that's the thing that happened to me for a solid two years. I mean, mm. since I posted that blog post, it's just the first time now that people, obviously much more mainstream, were made aware of it. I had a, a relatively significant platform on Instagram before, so people did know about it before, but not countrywide. I mean, it was beyond countrywide this time. So it made a. And have you a ever have you felt threatened by it? I mean, the, the, the other thing that I always find difficult about these situations is that the people who are so vehement about this stuff claim that they just want to live in a kinder world, and yet they behave in yeah. a way that is very aggressive. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, when I still worked at Soho Theatre, which I also had to leave about two months after I had written the blog post, mm. I did not feel very safe there mm. anymore. Not because of the people that worked there, but because I was so exposed and. You, you know, people recognize me. I, I'm not really blending in. And I, I was quite exposed working in the center mm. of Soho and people knowing that I did. So I was quite happy to no longer work there, even though the reason wasn't nice. Yeah. Do you, you think know? you suffered because the artistic community is much more politically charged on this subject? I think 
particularly with me, mm. the reason I got so much grief was because a lot of the people that attacked me, they would otherwise probably be just my acquaintances, you know, with, mm. with whom I have so much else in common. And so mm. I think the, the vitriol was so much harder because it's so hard to try and present me as some, you know, when people say, oh, this is just a right wing conspiracy. Yes, I'm no, you're, you're, obviously, <laughs> no, you're obviously not. Yeah, exactly. And and I think because of that, people really wanted to yeah. take away my platform and my ability to speak because they knew that it's so much more powerful if it's someone who kind of looks like them and sounds like them, yeah. but doesn't agree with what they're saying. Exactly. So, who, yeah. you know, who, who ought to belong to their tribe, but who is who is exactly. slightly yeah. kicking against the narrative. And and the other thing to say, of course, is that the Royal Academy and all these places, uh, you know, theatres, they always, I mean, they, they, they show paintings and put on plays by people who have done far worse things than you. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, except to say I haven't done anything bad. No, exactly. <laughs> Mm. No, no, you yes. haven't. You haven't. But you know, I mean, there there are paintings in the Royal Academy by by known paedophiles, as far as I know, unless yeah. they've moved them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. I'm glad that you're now out in the open and that more people know about you because now more people can defend you. And and I can buy one of your patches. And yes, yes, I'm not very good at sewing, unfortunately. Oh, they're for ironing. <laughs> and can I iron on? Oh, well, that's fine if it's an uh -huh. iron on. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Jess, and I hope you recover from this and go on to do greater things. That was London-based embroidery artist Jess DeWalls. And finally, it's time for our resident astrology expert, Teresa Chung. So, first question, is the weather your fault, Teresa? Probably is, because you predicted Absolutely. the Leo weather. I, I, <laughs> I've been overheating, no, Sarah. It's just, I mean, it's just the time of the year. I mean, astrology, I, I don't know whether it's connection to the weather, but it certainly suits the sunny sort of dramatics of the yes. typical Leo. Yes. You know, it's a time of extroversion, exuberance. And I would say to everyone, now's the time to play a bit, be a bit bold and dramatic. But if you've got something really important planned in coming days, just beware that the energy is so relaxed right now that it might backfire. Mm. So I think the question the that we really have for you is Imogen is in France. Is she going to have to quarantine <laughs> for two weeks in a horrible hotel in Heathrow? That's it's quite a specific question this week. I think I think what I'm looking at, it seems like we're going to have some time, you know, relaxed from the pandemic. Of course, though, each country is individual and I haven't looked at it from the aspect mm. of France. Um, my concern with the pandemic is November, December, January. Oh, God. Um, looking at it astrologically. Again. But I think for the time being, we, we're getting a bit of a reprieve. Mm. But each country is different. India looks a big worry. Mm. As always, um, it's it's just so expansive, and I'm sort of like focusing narrowly on the UK. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got a few weeks of sun. I hope, but maybe yeah. a bit too relaxed. So you think November, yeah. November, December, January is going to be a nightmare? Mm. It, it look well astrologically because we've got um, you know the old clash with Saturn and Uranus again, and that you know doesn't bode well that there might be some more restrictions coming in then mm. but at the moment it seems like we're all we're all group regrouping mm. in the uk here although i you know looking at the scientists of course you know and what people are saying that in coming weeks it's going to be bad news but well so I'm what you're basically saying is enjoy yourself while you can <laughs> that's what leo's all about yeah. leo's the child you know the mm. the sun king it's like have fun now relax and play 
because we don't know what tomorrow brings. <laughs> God. <laughs> but there's um, a full moon in Aquarius on Friday as well, which is a time to sort of be a bit more objective and right. maybe unleash your inner rebel a bit mm. um, and think more objectively. So that's a time for some clear thinking. Mm. Saturday, beware of being a bit impulsive because of an aspect to cancer. Mm. Don't lash out. No. But we're moving out from Wednesday, next Wednesday, we're going into Mars enters Virgos, which is all about organization and productivity. But mm. um, try to avoid perfectionism then. Yes. I know this sounds very vague and I hate doing that. No. But it's very hard when it's kind of general. Yeah. But uh, Sarah, I think fun now. Thank um, you. Enjoy the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not a big fan of the sun, honestly. I, I like I like the rain and clouds. I don't like Sarah likes an air conditioned unit. Yes, I do. I just don't. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, I'm not a big fan. The thing sun. is, when it's so hot, you just don't want to do anything, do you? No. And you just don't feel productive. I yeah, just I think do. my brain doesn't really function much over 32 degrees, unfortunately. I know. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's lazy lion weather, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. yeah, just sunning yourself. Yeah. And if you're someone who likes to be an action person, which of course you're an Aries, aren't you, Sarah? Yes, I am. Yes. I yes, like very, very, very busy. You've got to be doing busy you, person. You, you've got to be doing. You're you're all about action, yeah, and and doing. And it's very hard for Aryans, I think, when it's so relaxed as it is right now. Yes, and also, or, or just when everything just keeps going round in circles, and you can never seem to get out of any anything or get anything done or move forward. Uh, you know, Aries, I think, like to move on, don't we, the whole time. Yeah, I think we're the only sign of the year that really that doesn't really enjoy August. You know, that terribly relaxed. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I, I always be... remember as a child hating it, really hating it, and desperately wanting the, the autumn to come so I could wear socks again and be sensible. That's so true to your time. It's so Aryan. <laughs> and a nice, firm, buckled uh, shoe. Yes, exactly. Some proper clothes. Can, that I, weren't... can I ask what Imogen is? What sign Imogen is? I'm a Libra, love. Oh, good balance, Mary Libra. You're absolute yeah. opposite. Yeah, no, Imogen would basically basically just likes to lounge around in a pair of flip flops, not very nice ones. I have yeah, to say, yeah, I do. Yes, with a bottle of day wine attached to me. <laughs> <laughs> but she's great for the Aryan energy because she balances it out. Whereas I'm always going, good. okay, so we could just do the cupboards this afternoon, and then that would be done, and that would be super. <laughs> Libra's like balancing you out and providing the, the, the even keel there. Yes. That, that's really good. Yes. Oh, that really yes. explains your friendship. Yes. Now, Imogen, yeah. has always been, uh, Imogen has always been my Samantha, haven't you, darling? <laughs> I'm just the one who just makes you misbehave. Yes. That's the truth. Because otherwise I don't do it. <laughs> but, but anyway, just the, the coming week is all about playful energy. Um, yeah. Friday's a time to, to um, you know, uh, be a bit more objective and, and um, maybe a bit innovative as well because Aquarius is all about innovation. Mm. And then we move into a bit more sensitive times so of watch that you don't like, people don't lash out mm. uh, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Um, and then we move towards Mars entering Virgo, which is about a bit more common sense and productivity coming in. Mm. But that's not till Wednesday. We, we can just lounge about till then. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go and buy a cocktail Excellent. shaker. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks, Teresa. And I hope we, I will speak to you next week on Wednesday when we're going to be sensible people. Well, we're a bit lethargic now. The weather affects, you know, we are, you know, that's why astrology is so powerful because we're affected by the stars and we're affected by the weather. And mm. this is what's happening right now. You just feel like, it just feels like, oh, let's just lounge around and just stay cool. Mm. That's all we want to do at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That was Teresa Chung, who is our resident astrologer, and we will hear again from her next week.
If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine. Thank you for listening. Listener.